0: Hey, roster watch nation! It's your friendly neighborhood trash man, and this is the fantasy fallout going into week fourteen or week one of the NFL fantasy playoff season. Let's go ahead and get started. Thanksgiving, I guess morning it can be considered, as it was before noon. The Bears, well, I guess before noon, depending on where you where you live, but the Bears beat the Lions twenty four to twenty. Don't look now, but Mitch Trubisky has strung together a couple of decent fantasy outings in a row. 338 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. I'm only streaming him, though, if I need the upside. Well, I never thought I'd say that. As Well, actually, if I don't need the upside. As the Bears play the Cowboys this week, and they should handle him pretty well. Yeah, so he actually won't have a lot of upside this week. He'll have a decent floor, though, I imagine. The Bears are starting to realize what we've known all along, and that's that Anthony Miller is arguably their best offensive weapon. Miller went for nine receptions, 140 yards. I think I'll have an easier go of it this week than Allen Robinson, but I'm not touching him outside of PPR format. On the other side of the ball, undrafted free agent David Blau began his first career NFL start with a 75-yard touchdown bomb to Kenny Holiday. But leveled off from there, unfortunately, ended up with a 280 yards, two touchdown, one interception day. He ended up with a pretty decent line, but the Lions face Minnesota this week, and Jeff Driscoll may be healthy enough to go, so I'm not prioritizing Blah outside of deep dynasty leagues. If Bo Scarborough can manage to throw in some scores to the mix, 21 touches, 83 yards, he'll be an RB2 in fantasy. For the playoffs. He's got a rough schedule ahead, but he's worth flexing as the now undisputed go to in the Lions backfield, it would seem. On to the next game the Bills at the Cowboys. Bills won this one 26 to 15. I said to be on the lookout for Cole Beasley to have an upside revenge game against the Cowboys last fantasy fallout, and it came to fruition 6 receptions 110 yards and a touchdown having scored in back-to-back games Beasley makes for a decent flex in PPR leagues and otherwise this week against the Ravens and what should be a pretty actually probably the game of the week in my opinion on the other side of the ball Jason Witten had his best game of the season on Thanksgiving six receptions 42 yards and a touchdown and he's averaging six targets a game But he's entirely too touchdown dependent to ride into the playoffs. He hasn't had more than 5.8 standard points in games in which he hasn't scored. And Thursday was his first scoring game since week two. On to the next game, Sante Falcons. Saints won this one 26-18. Drew Brees has been solid against teams that aren't the Falcons this season. (laughs) Throwing three touchdowns in every game he's finished that hasn't been against them. He went 184 yards for a touchdown in this one. Well, his toughest test of the season against the 49ers this week, a team that just held Lamar Jackson to his lowest passing yardage, 105 yards total this season. Taysom Hill, backup quarterback extraordinaire, had two touchdowns on Thanksgiving night in addition to a blocked punt. It was his best game of the season thus far, but you can't chase Hill's stats. He only had four touches on the day. On the other side of the ball, Devontae Freeman is healthy enough, but that didn't really matter against the Saints. It's been a down season for Freeman. He was 21 touches, 64 yards. It wasn't terrible. He gets a nice matchup with the Panthers this week. He has flex appeal. And then some good news is that Julio Jones isn't being shut down and seems close to playing. And apparently he would have this past week if the game had been on Sunday. No point in chasing Christian Blake or Jaden Graham decent games unless we see reports that Julio is limited this week. Russell Gage maintains his wide receiver 4 status. On to the next game. 49ers at Ravens. 49ers lost this one 17 to 20. Tevin Coleman started the game, but Raheem Mostert was the main mover in the 49ers backfield against the Ravens, 21 touches, 152 yards and a touchdown. Coleman Six touches for 15 yards. Unfortunately for Mustard and his prospective owners, Matt Breedham may return this week, throwing a wrench in the works. His return would muddle things for his owners who aren't sure whether they should depend on him or not. <laughs> I would probably rather just sit him, in addition to the other back's owners. None of them would be more than low floor flexes against the Saints this week. Debo Samuel, three receptions, 61 yards and a touchdown, or three touches rather, as either scored or gone over 100 yards in his last four games. He's only 67% owned and has a decent matchup in what could shape to be up a uh, shootout shoot against the Saints this week. On the other side of the ball, a week after Willie Sneed and Marquise Brown had stellar fantasy days, they had the floor drop out beneath both of them. Snead went one reception for 12 yards. Brown one reception for one yard. And yes, it was against San Francisco, but they faced the Bills this week, so it's not too terribly much better. I'm not taking a chance on either one of these guys going into the playoffs, well, unless I actually absolutely had to. On to the next game, the Redskins at the Panthers. Redskins won this one 29-21. I insisted that you grab Darius Geis. When he's activated from injured reserve, and this is precisely why: twelve touches, 137 yards, and two touchdowns. One of the most dangerous backs in the league when healthy, Geist went big on only 12 touches. He's still on a committee with Adrian Peterson, but he's well reflecting in any format this week against the Packers. Speaking of Adrian Peterson, he had a great day too: 13 touches, 99 yards, and a touchdown. But I'm not too excited about his prospects this week. I think he's more of a deep league flex. We've seen Terry McLaurin's floor in a Dwayne Haskins-led offense on Sunday, and it isn't pretty. Two receptions, eight yards. He can't be trusted going into the playoffs. And then Curtis Samuel on the other side of the ball had his best game in seven weeks, four receptions, 65 yards, and a touchdown, but he's too boomer bust to depend on with any regularity. He does have a good shot to go big on the Falcon this week, but he's a luxury play at best. On to the next game, the Jets at the Bengals. Jets lost this one, 6-22, to Bengals' first win in the season. Andy Dalton's return. The Jets look pretty pathetic, handing the Bengals their first win of the season, but they have a get-right opportunity with the Dolphins this week, uh, though the Dolphins aren't even pushovers anymore. It was good to see Robbie Anderson stay ball for the second straight week, seven receptions, 100, 101 yards, and I like his chance of continuing that run against Miami. On the other side of the ball, Andy Dalton's return makes Tyler Boyd 5-for-59-1 and one and Auden Tate 4-for-66 fantasy relevant. Again, I don't like him against the Browns this week, but I'm willing to give either of those wide receivers a spot start. On to the next game, Titans at Colts. Titans won this one 31-17. There are too few opportunities in the Titans' offense behind Derrick Henry, who had 29 touches, 166 yards, and a touchdown. He's the only Titan worth starting in the playoffs, though the Raiders make for a tantalizing opponent for A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. Jonathan Williams, disappointed after two straight 100-plus yard games, nine touches, 25 yards. He's a risky flex against Tampa's stifling run defense this week. I actually like Naheem Hines a bit more in this one. He went six for 40 yards in a touchdown this past game. He's a little bit more versatile than Williams, or at least they'll use him in a more versatile way than they would Williams. So I, I think he's got a better chance of doing more damage against Tampa. And then Zach Pascal, seven receptions, 109 yards, ascended to the top of the pecking order with no T.Y. Hilton. Or Chester Rogers around this week. Rogers is out for the season, and there's no word on Hilton's availability yet for this week. If Hilton sits, Pascal and Jack Doyle, who went six for 73 and a touchdown, are both must starts really against Tampa Bay's Sieve like secondary this week. On to the next game, Buccaneers at Jaguars. Buccaneers won this one 28 11. There's no backfield more frustrating than the Buccaneers. They show no allegiance to any back, it seems, and they literally go with a hot hand in any situation. Neither Peyton Barber, who went 17 for 44 yards and two touchdowns, nor Ronald Jones, who was just six for eight yards, can be trusted in the fantasy playoffs. Thought there was hope for Ronald Jones, but it was just a fantasy. O.J. Howard had his second best day of the season, but he's not dependable in fantasy playoff matchups. Five receptions, 61 yards. There are too many options in Tampa, including Prashad Perriman, who went 5 for 87, and he's not startable either. On the other side of the ball, Nick Foles is benched for Gardner Minshew for the second half of the game on Sunday. Foles had just 93 yards and an interception up to that point. He left his magic in fiddly, folks, seems like. Minshew will probably start the rest of the season for the Jaguars. This is great news for D.J. Chark owners. D.J. Chark had only two receptions for 47 yards in the game. On to the next one, Raiders at Chiefs. Raiders lost this one 9-40. With Hunter Renfro out with a broken rib, Darren Waller soaked up targets underneath. The only place that the Raiders could move the ball through the air, it seemed. Waller would be a solid play against Tennessee this week. On the other side of the ball, another Kansas City back went down. This time it was Darrell Williams to a hamstring injury. Darwin Thompson came in and ran 11 times for 44 yards and a touchdown. He looked like the better back to LaShawn McCoy. If neither Williams, Damian, or Darrell can go this week, Thompson will be in line for major work, though it will come against the Patriots. On to the next game, Eagles at Dolphins. Eagles lost one thirty-one to 37 Alshon is totally healed from his ankle injury. If there was any question, after his 9-reception, 137-yard, 1-touchdown game on Sunday. He has the Giants and Redskins up next, so make sure he's in your lineups. Zach Ertz didn't look fully healthy on Sunday, and his stat line reflected that through reception 24 yards. He should have had a much better day against the Giants, although Dallas Goddard isn't going anywhere. It was encouraging that Ertz played more snaps than Goddard on the day, That's any consolation moving forward. On the other side of the ball, Patrick Laird led the Miami backfield, whatever that means, with Kalen Balazs going down to injury on Sunday, carrying the ball 10 times for five yards and a touchdown. He did add 43 yards in the passing game, though. Miles Gaskin, rookie running back, looked more explosive, carrying the ball twice for 20 yards, and he's hopefully earned more action moving forwards, though either player is only worth adding in dynasty formats right now. Devontae Parker has led the AFC in receiving since week six. Seven receptions, 159 yards, two touchdowns. Make sure he's in your lineups this week when the Dolphins face the Jets. And then tight end Mike Kosicki has scored in back-to-back games. He's also had seven targets in both of those contests. He's a streamer against the Jets as well. On to the next game, Packers, the Giants. Packers won this one 31 13. Alan Lazard had his best game of the season on Sunday, but he only had three targets on the day. His week 12 line was two recessions of 28 yards, and 21 yards of that came on a run play. He's too boomer bust to rely on in these fantasy playoffs, but if you're desperate and need the upside, he does get the Redskins this week. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are pretty much canceling each other out in fantasy. Jones, 31 yards. Williams, 67 yards. Jones, 15 touches. Williams, 14. Both players are low ceiling flexes against Washington this week. On the other side of the ball, tight end Caden Smith led the Giants in yardage, six receptions for 70 yards, and was second only to Darius Slayton in targets. Smith had eight, Slayton had nine. Smith makes for a decent streamer against Philly this week. And then Slayton. Will be an attractive flex this week if Golden Tate continues to sit. He'll be act- actually he'll be a good play, if, even if he doesn't sit. Golden Tate that is as either the third or fourth option in a play from behind Giants offense. Slayton has real big playability, and he could make anyone's fantasy day <laughs> in just a couple plays. So I think he's worth flexing if you need the upside. On to the next game: Rams at. Cardinals-Rams run this one 34-7. The Rams got off this week. Well, everyone but Brandon Cooks, who was 2-24. for 24, And we expect nothing less against the Cardinals defense. I mean, as far as everyone <laughs> getting off. Tyler Higby blew up seven receptions, 170 yards and a touchdown. But the Cards are notoriously soft against tight ends this season. So I'm not champing at the bit to add him. Higby will be worth a stream against the Seahawks, though, especially with Goffer, who's going to go deep, which is why I'm hands-off cooks in the playoffs, at least. Kenyon Drake led the Cardinals' backfield, 15 touches, 51 yards, getting 15 touches to David Johnson's six. Johnson had 24 yards on those six touches. Chase Edmonds didn't register one of those touches, or a touch at all, rather. Drake is a player to flex against the Steelers this week, though DJ will stay in the mix as Drake wasn't anything amazing against the Rams and could get more opportunities. On to the next game, Chargers. At Broncos, Chargers lost this one twenty 20-23. Mike Williams is putting up the yards, five receptions, 117, but he's not scoring yet. He's an upside play against the Jags this week. Austin Eckler's passing game prowess, four receptions, 51 yards, and a touchdown is keeping him fantasy relevant. Though I'm seeing way too much Andre Patton on the field when it should be Eckler. Let's hope he scores again this week. New Broncos quarterback Drew Locke loves him some court in Sutton. Sutton had four receptions, 24 yards, and two touchdowns. <laughs> Locke had only 134 yards on the day, so that's 74 yards, is a lot. And he only had two touchdowns on the day, so those two touchdowns for Sutton were a lot. Jeff Hierman saw just as many targets though with five. Rendering Noah Fant useless in fantasy for the time being. You can't risk him. On to the next game, the Browns at the Steelers. Browns lost this one 13-20. Odell Beckham is the number two in the Browns passing game to Jarvis Landry. It's a fact. Both are worth starting against the Bengals this week, as long as Maker Manfield's hand isn't too much worse for the wear since banging it on a helmet on Sunday. On the other side of the ball, Benny Snell was the back-to-own in Pittsburgh. 17 touches to Jalen Samuels' nine. Snell had 67 yards and a touchdown on the day. Snell is a strong flex play against the Cardinals this week if James Conner continues to sit. Wide receiver James Washington has had 90 or more yards and a score in three of his last four games. He went four for 111 yards and a touchdown in this one. He's a high upside flex play against the Cardinals this week. On to the Patriots at the Texans. Patriots lost this one Sunday night, 22-28. to 28. With the Pats trailing most of the game, Tom Brady relied on James White to get them back into it. White had 22 touches, 177 yards, and two touchdowns. It almost worked. White makes for another upside flex play against the Chiefs this week in what should be a high-scoring affair. And then with Philip Dorsett and Muhammad new healthy, Nikhil Harry played only 22 snaps Did. Absolutely knew nothing with him. He's only a dynasty hold right now. Jacoby Myers, though, had seven targets on the day, three receptions for 46 yards, and could be a sneaky play. It's at least a sneaky upside play against the Chiefs this week. Duke Johnson had his best week this season against the Patriots. 14 touches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. But he hadn't topped 50 yards in the two weeks prior. He's not a player to bank on during the playoffs. And either is Carlos Hyde. 11 touches, 22 yards. He isn't involved enough in the passing game to justify starting. Then we had our Monday night game, Vikings at Seahawks. As far as the Vikings go, nobody really had a decent game. Stefan Diggs did have, at least in the receiving game, Stefan Diggs did have... Nine receptions, but only 25 yards. Kyle Rudolph, I guess he, he did have a good game, 50 yards and a touchdown with Adam Thielen still out. And then Laquan, Laquan Treadwell actually had the most shortage of anyone on the Vikings in the receiving game, 58 yards. But it was on a single reception, the touchdown reception. He had only two targets on the day. So I'm not chasing that into the playoffs. And then Seahawks, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny managed to both have great fantasy days. Chris Carson, 23 touches, or 24 touches, Rashad Penny, 19. Rashad Penny a little bit more involved in the passing game, though. You can flex both of these guys. Well, I mean, I wouldn't consider them both flexes, but they're flexes at worst. I'll say that. And then Jacob Hollister, eight targets leading the Seahawks, only 44 yards, though. So that still gives me hope for him in the fantasy playoffs, if he's getting that kind of action. David Moore, two receptions, 65 yards, and a touchdown on four targets. I can't follow that into the playoffs. And Josh Gordon, one reception on the evening. So there we have it, the fantasy fallout going into week one of the NFL playoffs hopefully give you some ideas on guys you can stick with guys you cannot stick with guys you can maybe take a chance on anyways this has been the trash man and it's been the fantasy fallout until next time roster watch nation be ready